Hey, welcome to LDS Transitions. Uh, hopefully you're having a wonderful morning, or afternoon, or evening, or night. So today is the 20th of August, and last night I was reading with my wife in the Book of Mormon, because that's what you do in a mixed faith marriage when your wife has one narrative and you have another. So how is reading with her? Um, we read like three verses each. It's enough to satisfy her, I think. But we don't really talk about stuff. I mean, a lot. Um, we do our scripture reading. I think it's a hope that it's going to help me, you know. It's going to restore my faith. I'm going to have my my restoration believe either that or it helps keep her out of the denial phase um, and you know acting as if I haven't changed um, I don't know I haven't really asked her <laughs> but uh, things seem to go smoothly when we do it <laughs> you know the spirit's with us and you know hey uh she doesn't feel darkness about us because we're doing the right thing. So we're blessed. Um, sorry for the sarcasm, but you know that's just not my narrative anymore. Um, and reading scriptures, I've indicated, um, at least on my Facebook post, about and to my state president about how it just doesn't help. <laughs> it causes more problems. So last night we were reading, and I want to share what we read, and you tell me, wait, you can't, um, what you think, or think about this, okay? So this is in Mos Alma chapter 12, and this is verse, um, I'll read 27, 28, 29, and 30, okay? So it says, But behold, it was not so, but it was appointed unto men that they must die, and after death they must come to judgment, even that same judgment of which I have spoken, which is the end. And after God had appointed that these things should come unto man, behold, then he saw that it was expedient that man should know, concerning the things whereof he had appointed unto them. Therefore he sent angels, to converse with them who caused men to behold of his glory. And behold, from that time forth to call on his name thereafter. God conversed with men and made known unto them the plan of redemption, which had been prepared from the foundation of the world. And this he had made known unto them according to their faith and repentance and their holy works. So... Hopefully I'm not triggering anyone, right? Uh, so, a couple things. Um, I think it's interesting that he said that it was appointed unto men. Um, and he kept talking that, using that phrase. And then he said he sent angels. So, I come from the narrative that we come from a loving Heavenly Father. 
you know, who knows us, we knew him, we are his spirit children, but yet this scripture, you know, he appears to men and shows them his glory, um, but this scripture kind of makes it sound like men doesn't have a relationship with God, you know, and it's kind of feels to me like God is coming down or is coming to men to say, see, here I am, see, here's my glory, now believe in me. And then he said, hey, I have a plan of redemption, and um, according to your faith and holy works. And it's like, to me that doesn't sound like a loving Heavenly Father coming and saying, behold, you know, you have a father in heaven. He's your spirit child. You have a mother in heaven. You know, we have a plan for you to return to us. We miss you. You know, and this is the test and the trial of your faith to see if you'll follow us. But the language just seems so kind of like, um, kind of like, hey, God's going to show up and say, hey, guess what? I created you. You know, you haven't known about me for millions of years, if you consider evolution, and it's kind of a, hey, I'm here, and I'm the one that created you, and I have a plan for you, and this is what you need to do. It, it's just different than the narrative. It doesn't sound like the narrative that I grew up with, and I'm not trying to you know, pick mint and use uh, use words and, you know, nitpick. I'm just saying, these are things that I see and, you know, after having transitioned. Um, now, also angels. You know, one of the things growing up is, you know, becoming a priest. I read about the capability of having ministering angels minister to you. And I don't know one person, not one person in my life, that has had a ministering angel appear to them, that they saw them. Now, there's a couple ways of seeing, you know, there's physicalized versus um, spiritualized, right? Um, in order for them to receive the priesthood, I'm guessing that Peter, James, and John, and John the Baptist would have to have laid hands on their heads. Did they feel that? And awesome, that means that they would have been, you know, in a physical form. We know that in order to know if an angel is truly from God, you reach out your hand and ask them to shake. If they haven't been resurrected, they will refuse. If they are a, um, an angel from the devil, they will gladly accept to give you a handshake and then you'll feel nothing. And if they are from God and they are resurrected, you'll be able to feel it. So, angels are very much a part of it and you know we live 
been this great and last time where um where I just saw a huge muskrat. It's really gross. Like it was like groundhog size with a big rat tail. So welcome to our woods. Um <laughs> so <laughs> diversion squirrel. Um so uh here we are told about the blessings of the priesthood and that we can see angels and that they can minister to us. I'm like, that's beautiful. And I'm like, I need to live worthily so that I can have that. And I don't know one person I've grown up with in my family, friends, ward members, acquaintances. Not one person has ever told me that they've had a ministry angel. I haven't even read of it. Now we hear stories about the three Nephites rescuing people in peril, but have we seen anything substantiated first person? Um, maybe there have been. That's awesome. But, uh, you know, I, you know, in a mixed faith marriage, Having had a faith transition where nothing adds up, and with me living more worthy, quote-unquote, than I ever have, wouldn't God maybe send an angel? I still have a priesthood. I'm still charitable. You know, I don't, I don't seek to go and party and throw my life away. I want to keep my family together. Wouldn't this be a great time? Just a great time to have a ministering angel. What do you think? I think so too. Um, you know, so it's hard because a lot of a lot of uh, magical, and I say magic. And so let me rephrase it for the faithful. A lot of miracles. I'm not denying miracles, but a lot of miracles that we hear that are magnificent are way in the past. When was the last time you heard of a miracle? Uh, a major one, such as seeing an angel, a prophet speaking face to face with God. When was that last in the enzyme? Or, as they're changing to believe on a. Um, when was it ever talked about in general conference? Um, so I have another thing to read to you. There is a recording out there of President Oaks. This was, if you go to ex-Mormon Reddit, and if you look up slash you slash mormon talk their efforts regarding um a talk of a youth event in washington um where four pre-selected youth were asked to asked a question and one you said what should we pray for to receive the same testimony and or con conversation that Alma the Younger experienced for friends, 
for a friend who are not members. Elder Oaks Answers. And this is an audio format. I realize conspiracy theorists are out there saying, Hey, look, the audio could have been manipulated, right? I get that. That's your choice to decide on. It's my choice to believe, you know, narratives. But, okay, so if this is false, great. Then share your personal experiences. You are prophets, seers, and revelators. Share your personal experiences. They did in times of old. It's up to us to believe or not. The problem I have is that we're not hearing those stories. We don't even have the option to have faith. We only have the blind faith, assuming that there's a holy of holies. There's revelation. Of course they see him. They've had their second anointing. You know, of course it was done by Christ. Um, And so, Elder Oaks answers, I've never had an experience like that I don't know anyone amongst the First Presidency or Quorum of the Twelve who've had that kind of experience. Yet every one of us knows of a certainty the things that Alma knew. But it's just that unless the Lord chooses to do it another way, as he sometimes does, for millions and millions of his children, the testimony settles upon us gradually, like so much dust on the windowsill or so much dew on the grass. One day you didn't have it, another day you did. And you don't know which day it happened. That's the way I got my testimony. And then I knew it was true when it continued to grow. Um, My stake president, you know, I've met with him several times and I've tried to explain my feelings and stuff. And it reminds me of one of his sons got up in testimony meeting, this was after, this was in the last few years, and said how much saying, bearing his testimony strengthens his testimony about how much because he bore his testimony, his testimony is strengthened. And he testified of that and encouraged everyone to bear their testimony. Because that's how you, you grow a strong and strong testimony. How many did it take of you that have awakened to realize that repeated saying of something over and over kind of makes it true in the faith perspective? It feels more familiar. Everyone else is testifying of it too. The more people that testify it and say that it's true, and you say it's true, the more you're going to have um, feelings confirming that, feeling that you are safe. You are amongst those that are believers. You are amongst your tribe that believe the same things. And you are united, and you feel this fellowship. Okay. So... You know, having transition, these things stand out in a major way. And this isn't something to trifle with. It is a huge concern that we are teaching youth and children this, missionaries this, 
then they go out and they have these assurances. I'm sorry, is ministering angels, are you entitled to ministering angels or not? Is this God's work or not? And you're telling me that Oaks is saying that no one has had an Alma the Younger experience where an angel comes and they see this angel and he collapses type thing? You know? No, he talks about it as dew settling over time and over time and you don't have a date. Are you freaking kidding me? I grew up with my narrative thinking these are prophets. They've seen Christ. They know it's true. And then I hear an audio of him saying it's not true. That he doesn't know anyone that has. But yet every single priest out there that is ordained to the priesthood, every single Melchizedek priesthood holder is entitled to this. So what are we to gain from it? I don't gain anything. It hurts my faith. You expect me to believe and not have doubts, but yet the scriptures say one thing? A prophet says another thing? Okay, maybe he didn't say it. Great, then tell me where the stories are. Because if they publish them in the scriptures, then surely, outside of Joseph Smith, and who was the other one, Elder Snow, or President Snow, or President Woodruff, that his daughter talks about him talking face to face with Christ, but yet she didn't see it in the temple, but she said he told her that story. It's second hand. Where are the first hand accounts? Where is his account in his journal? You know, uh, they have asked the brother not to keep journals, or that all journals that they keep are now the possession of the church. <laughs> so where are these journals at that talk about these spiritual experiences? Because surely, if a priest can have the ministering of angels, surely prophets, seers, and revelators can. So where are we at with this? What is true? What is not? You expect me to give 10% of my income that go towards feeding my kids having a house in our name, having bills paid, and you expect me to give this to a corporation that invests it in the stock market and holds on to it and gives so very little contribution, and you expect me to blindly give this away, and if I don't, that I can't hold a recommend to enter into your holy temple? Are you telling me this isn't priestcraft? Especially when Mosiah 4 talks about talks about giving. And it says give, give, give. Has no conditions. So which is right? Is the Book of Mormon the fullness of the gospel or is it not? Are we going to start applying the teachings of the Book of Mormon? Book of Mormon, or are we not? Is it truly true? And if so, if it is the fullness of the gospel, why aren't we using it? Why don't we have angels? Or is it only a myth? 
is it only used for symbolism? And what do we apply for that symbolism? Do we apply it to the principles of the church and the laws? You know, I have yet to see anything in the Book of Mormon that talks about it being a requirement to enter into the temple in order to have the fullness. In fact, isn't it interesting that the Ramiumtum is a segregated group of people that get the most blessing. Everyone else is cast out because they are not of the class of people, you know, and everyone else is cast out. Are the temples really God's? Does he really dwell there? Or is it only, as many have shown and continue to show, that they are Masonic in nature? Masons haven't been around for ages to carry down traditions. You know, we don't have any writings of Abraham. We don't have any archaeological proof of Abraham. Yet alone anyone further back. So, what are we to have of this? Are you going to crucify me for doing the same thing that's been done in other worlds? No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. I am not Lucifer. I am not trying to dissuade people from faith. I'm asking for truth. And this church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, purports to have truth. Their scriptures say it. Their teachings say it. But there is no substance under the matter unless you want to look at money. They safeguard their money, they protect their money, they protect the name of the church because no one wants them bad-mouthing it. But yet, does God really care if he's bad-mouthed? Does God have big boy pants on with he has all power? So, yeah, you bet. We shouldn't condemn God. But is it because God will be angry? Is it because people will lose their faith? Someone wants to condemn God and curse at God, let them curse at God. They're angry for some reason. And it's probably because the narrative that they've been fed is a bunch of crap. And then what? You know? Oh, well, they're just men. You know, God will, God will fix things over time, and we'll all have the truth, you know, this is a temporal world. It's like, don't justify for me. If you want to build my faith, show it in actions, show it in the fruits. Where are the fruits of the gospel? I see the fruits of the gospel as being charity and love, giving to others, not judging. Oh, but you're judging. Am I? Okay, I'm judging the church. I'm not judging the members. The members are in this narrative that the church helped create and solidify and nourish. They have yet to disavow much. They disavow those that, you know, are, that are racist, right? They disavow those that are in polygamy, but yet they don't talk about their racist actions in the past. 
about how it was wrong. They're just talking in the present because that's all they, they can control. They can't control the men from the past like McConkey or Joseph, was it Joseph Fielding Smith that talked about no man can ever walk on the moon or Brigham Young everything he said I mean how much of what Brigham Young said is actually from God hmm. but yet God for some reason chose him right? he's the Moses that brought the people into the valley right so you know it sounds like I have a lot of anger and I just you know I need to have more faith I need to I need to go read my scriptures more because that's going to help me I need to pay my tithing so I'm going to go and repent and humble myself and go plead with my bishop and state president to, to you know help me hell no hey it's one thing to walk in those doors and be able to try to symbolically believe try to have hope it's another thing to purport truth based off of lies based off of narratives based off of things that have no substance if there are fruits of the spirit let them be shown but the miracles yeah I admit there are a lot of miracles we've seen miracles in my family but to attribute it to God well that's the that's the name we give it when there are miracles but it may have been some cosmic dust out there that has intelligence that's saying hey look these people need help they're really crying out and seeking help hey guess what we can help them that's within our control hey we're going to turn off cancer you know, and the cancer's going to go away. I don't know. Right? It's unexplainable. There's lots of miracles out there. Um, there's enough first-hand accounts that help validate miracles, and I'm not going to discount them. Do they go to God? I have no idea. To be an evolution. I'm not going to discount it. But if you're going to tell me there's a God, and that they are fruits of the Spirit, and that they are ministering angels, great. Help my faith. Obviously, I don't have sufficient faith, right? But I think there's a difference between faith and blind faith that has to be talked about. After awakening, I think there's a lot of blind faith out there, because I don't realize how difficult it is to have faith when you have to, when you awaken to a narrative that you've been told is true your whole life that you realize it wasn't. And so the churches, you know, the churches talk about, hey, we've known these issues for years and years and years. This is nothing new. Yeah, so why don't you fix it? You know, with D.H. Roberts, he helped bring about anachronistic issues with the Book of Mormon and other things. And that the narrative needs to change. And that was in 1922. Nothing was done then. How long are we going to kick the can down the road? But please pay your tithing. Because then you're saved.
that will stop you from being burned in the hellfire. The windows of heaven will be open. Great hiding. Yeah. Oh, and thank you. Uh, we just bought stock in Zoom. And, you know, even though we've had fasting and praying for this pandemic to go away, which hasn't stopped in the least, Utah got its surge. At least part one of the surge, right? So what are we to... What do we even know by this? What are we to do? What is truth? What is not? And why can't I live according to my truth and be able to keep my family? Why is my wife stuck in this narrative and I can't keep my family? Because if I'm not full on board with her narrative, that you have to have a husband. This is her narrative. I realize the church will contradict these teachings and say, well, she just doesn't understand. That's their answer for so many things. But this is what she grew up with. That I have to have a husband that's worthy. And he has to take me through the veil. And I don't want to lose my eternal family. I don't want to have to choose some other guy and be a polygamist wife. These are the things. You know how many men out there that, you know, are just always single that never got married? Does she really want to be still to them after this life? Of, hey, this person here, they're so super nice. Why don't we line you up with them? No, she wants to be able to choose who her eternal companion is. And she's nervous that with everything on her plate, who's going to want to marry her, right? She not only has to find someone that believes in the same narrative that she does, you know, which is 0.02% of the population. Granted, there's a good network of Mormon churches throughout the world, you know, where she can show up and hopefully there's a single guy close to her age that is also single and, you know, maybe even had his wife leave him or something to that effect, right? And really can relate and commiserate on the pain that they suffer. And I'm not trying to be sarcastic or rude about that. I'm saying that because what is it? How can I help my wife? Hey, do you want me to help find a guy for you? I'm happy to help look out there and see who might be crud, crud baits, right? But our marriage was based upon, for her, and this is painful. What I'm going to share is extremely painful. Her marriage was based on me being a worthy priesthood holder. If I would have been a worthy priesthood holder, quote unquote, whatever would they mean, um, she would not have married me. That was the number one condition over all else. And hey, I fit that that mold. It wasn't about, hey, you know, how well do we communicate? We knew each other for three months. Then we got engaged. We got married three months later. You know, we were doing what we needed to, right? 
you're looking for an eternal companion, and once you get married, everything's fine. So the real painful part is that we had a child that came up to us and said, Mommy, is Daddy your soulmate? Something to that effect. I believe she said soulmate. And my mom kind of looked at her and said, and looked at me and said, I don't really, I don't know that we really believe in soulmates. And she looked at me kind of questioning type thing. And I kind of zoned out at that point. Because I just realized that I'm not her soulmate. She's never seen me that way. Has she ever had those butterflies in her? In her like, hey, it's my best friend. That's painful. When relationships are built on the fact that, hey, you can get married to anybody. And I'm not saying soulmates are real. I'm not saying that you're predestined to find your companion. But then my wife did go on to say that well, we believe that before this life, that we were family, that we were together, and we had this plan. And we came, you know, we came together and we knew that we were going to be a family, we were together, and that we'd be together in this life, and then in the eternities. But yet, she doesn't consider me a soulmate. And I know, it may just be semantic, it hurt. It still hurts. It hurts that this narrative isn't helping anybody. This narrative of truth. You know, of all things that we know is true. We know that there's lots of fake news out there. Right? Fake news here, there, and everywhere. Don't go to Twitter and expect to find truth. But do you find any truth in general conference or in the scriptures? How do you determine truth? Oh, I remember now. You just have to bear your testimony of it. And that truth will become stronger and stronger and stronger. Because the Holy Ghost will whisper it to you. And it's like dew. Settling. That over time you just realize you always had it. Or that you had it. And you don't know when exactly. This is not the narrative I grew up with. So resolve that for me, church. Resolve how you are the truth. And resolve how my wife is stuck in this narrative of what is considered truth. And you keep propping it up. And you're destroying my family. My family is being destroyed. You, church, are destroying it because you keep propping and allowing these. You don't explain the truth based off of what you know. 
because you know from D.H. Roberts, you know that from so many others that the narratives don't make sense. Dr. Whitmer, you know from from so many, you know from ourselves, this is hogwash. And as much good as the church does, sorry, as much good as the members do, it doesn't justify you being the source of truth. Not at all. And you fear that if you try to spread any doubt or not be the strong foundation of truth, that members will just dissipate. Because you rely on members for their faith. And if you lose that faith from the members who pay you their tithing, if you lose their loyalty, the church fails, and you know that. Now there will always be remnant groups that are stuck in a narrative. You have the remnant group, right? Um, and I don't know a whole lot about them. They don't claim to have a leader. But they still choose to worship spiritually in a lot of the truth claims and, and issues. Great. But come forward with your, you know, come forward and just be honest. Just be honest. And then do something with those funds. Help members know that you're still good and that you're going to still start helping people. And then maybe become a worldwide organization of helping people and being transparent with your funds. Maybe teach people to invest in the stock market because you guys got that under control. You've done a pretty good job. Congratulations. Maybe other people will donate to you for that reason alone. How be it? Right? But stop the lies. Stop the lies. Stop hurting my family. Stop 